0: Hey, welcome to the fourth episode of Swimming in the Void. Yeah, I think it's yeah. the fourth. Yeah, yeah it's the fourth. Uh, I'm yeah. your host, Matthew Barber.
1: And I'm Hyun Moon. We're two filmmakers and former evangelicals having conversations about taboos, psychedelics, spirituality, and our journey into the void of life. Sometimes it's just Moon and I talking about
0: shit. Other times we'll invite a guest um, to dive further into a specific topic. This week, there's no guest. I guess I'm the guest. Yeah, Moon's going to interview me today.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you interviewed me about the uh, interfaith marriage uh, because um, uh, when I... uh, Are you um,
0: recounting episode one?
1: Yeah. They can just listen to episode one. I guess, uh, (laughs) yeah, if you want the details that you can watch, you can listen to episode one. We got
0: to get people to listen to all the episodes.
1: Right, right, right. I can't give (laughs) away too much. Um, But uh, yeah, so this episode, I'm going to interview you about your experience because... You had uh, quite an experience as well in terms of coming out of Christianity as well, right? I yep. Mean, that yep. was a, that was so. Can you? Uh, we'll, we'll,
0: we'll get. We'll get into that. Let's. Let's. Uh, let's. Before that, um, give me an update. What's going on in your life?
1: Um, yeah. Uh, well, today uh, I uh, was my last day at my day job. Uh, uh, working as an assistant editor on this show called Dopesick that Matt's on. Dope sick. it's yeah. dope and sick. Yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good show, I think. It's gonna be a great show. Yeah, it's gonna be a good show on Hulu. Um, great show. Yeah, Sell it's gonna our be a show. great. It's gonna be a great show. Uh, it's about um, the opioid crisis. Yeah, and Michael Keaton's in it, and he's just um,
0: he's he's a maniac. He's great.
1: Yeah, he's just he's one of those guys who I don't know. You know, he came back after being away for a while, and then. Now he's just, he just crushes it every time, you know, because I th- I think there are certain actors, they get to a certain age and they just bring so much experience into every frame. You know, they, they're just so, they, they've just seen so much shit in their life that every word they say, every look, uh, it's just filled with all the, these complicated and immense emotions. It's amazing. Like Jack Black. Yeah yeah like jack black by the way i
0: love you jack black i do uh, i I once had a dream i once had a dream about jack black that was driving around for some reason he was like slapping his sister or someone like he was like being aggressive with with someone who was who was in his family, like coming to a fight, and I I'm like Jack, what are you doing? I ran over and like broke up the fight, and I'm like and I'm like this is not you. I'm like why was I dreaming about Jack Black
1: beating up his like sister? <laughs> I didn't realize you had a thing with Jack Black. Oh, I love Jack Black. Really? Yeah. Tena- this is the first time we talked about Jack Black, I think. I don't know. He, I, really, I, he just
0: he just cracks me up. He just cracks me up. Tenacious really? D is just like I mean I'm oh, not wow. he, I wouldn't say I'm a Tenacious D. Is there is there like a I'm not a Tenacious Delighter. I don't know what are they. I'm not like, <laughs> but but I just I they they tickle my funny bone. I don't know. Huh?
1: So you love School of Rock. Mm-hmm. You love uh what's it, is it? Libra Nachos or Lee Li- not just nacho li- libre. libre. Nacho libre. Yeah. Nacho. nacho. Nacho libre.
0: Yeah. It's not multiple. There's not. There's not two nachos. There's oh, only okay. one nacho. It's only one nacho. Yeah. Yeah. It's like there's there's multiple taboos. Right. Note That's note that strange. moon decided to change my grammar uh, halfway through. It just it.
1: sounds yeah. weird. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. So you you left. So what do you you what do you leave the show to go do? Oh, uh, I'm gonna go to Iowa. I'm gonna work on a documentary that I've been working on for the last couple of years. Uh, about a town called Storm Lake, hmm. uh, and it's going to be a documentary about these. It is a documentary about. Well, yeah, it's it's you know it's going to be a while since from uh, till I'm done, but uh, it's a documentary about uh, these immigrants in Storm Lake, Iowa, that go to this little town to work at the meatpacking plants there because meatpacking is. Uh, um, one of the jobs that you can get without English uh, proficiency or high school education, and you make uh, more than minimum wage. You know, you make a decent living, especially in Iowa. So, what and what drew you to this to this story? Um, I wanted to make about uh, I wanted to make a documentary about uh, meat packers. Because you know there have been so many uh, documentaries specifically and, about
0: meatpackers. Yeah. What, like, you're
1: like, but was it was it the immigrant angle? Well, I mean, it really, wasn't the immigrants in the beginning because we were looking into we we first I stumbled upon an article talking about the correlation between meatpacking towns and domestic violence. Uh, there was some uh, paper that was p- proposing that there may be something happening there because uh, of the of the type of job it is which involves violence uh, uh, of killing animals, that that can somehow uh, cause the people who do the job to kind of displace that emotion somewhere else, Mm. which can come out as violence. Uh, so we thought that was really interesting, and I've never seen a film like that before because you've seen plenty of films about animal uh, violence against animals and greenhouse effects and all these things, but you've never actually heard about the human experience of the meatpacking industry. So that so that was how we got into it, and then uh, during our research, we realized all the meatpacking towns in the United States are filled with immigrants. And all these meatpacking towns are in middle America, uh, in Midwest uh, America, like Texas, Kansas, Iowa, Michigan, um, in the middle of nowhere, super rural areas. And they're filled with uh, Asians, uh, Africans. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of uh, different races uh, going into what you where, places where you expect there to be totally all white people. So I I thought that was a, a really a odd and interesting thing because you've you've always seen immigrants against very urban landscapes like New York or LA and and so on. So I th- so that so that's what what drew me to to um, you know to the subject. Man,
0: too bad too bad you didn't have this ready to go when, when Minari came out came out. You know.
1: I know that would have been great. Or as
0: white people say, Minari. Minari. Minari is Minari. <laughs> Minari, Minari. Um, cool, uh, can anyone, where, where can people, is there like a website or is there anything, you know, where people, um, if people want to get more uh, info?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you go to anchor.pictures, so A-N-C-H-O-R.pictures, um, that's my website. So not, no .coms or anything, just dot .pictures. Um, there is a link for The Americans, that's the title of the film. And you'll be able to watch a sizzle reel there and kind of check out cool. what the film
0: is about. Sizzle reel is industry speak for a fan, it's like basically a trailer.
1: But yeah, it's um, like a long trailer. It's yeah. like a seven minute trailer.
0: Um, yeah. Cool, man. Well, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, you're, you're about you're about ready to ship off for, for a month. So, yeah. um, I, I'm sad I won't be seeing you over over Zoom uh, every <laughs> every day. Um, or but, text. Uh, yeah, but um, but you'll be back soon enough. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'll be back. Yeah. yeah, in a month. All yeah. right. So let's see. Uh, Please like, and subscribe us wherever you get your podcasts, write a review, send us an email at swimming in the void, in swimming in the void podcast at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, swimming in the void and swimming in the I think that, and I think that's one of the things that I want to do with this podcast is to translate to, mm. well, you know, let's, talk to some harry krishnas let's talk to a muslim let's talk to all these people and all these different beliefs let's talk to some atheists and and what are the things that they do to you know to connect with this moment to connect with the divine you know i i i don't have a problem talking about the divine uh i often use that in a lot of my um my journaling like i want to have divine moments but for me divine isn't like this you know old man in the sky with a white beard who's mm-hmm. you know you know cursing gay people and um you know whatever it's it, it it all it is is about being being present and being connected to something larger than ourselves and to always remember to remember that you know we're just as much as we want to our ego wants to make us think that it's all about us mm-hmm. it isn't right you know if if anything like this whole world, like we're all connected to this world. We're all part of this world. We are, you know. It's like what I, I heard today. I, this I, this this should be this should be one of the, the 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 drinking challenges when I when I use some half knowledge to claim that I understand the thing like the Gaia principle, which is something like, you know, that the Earth is an organism as a whole. You know, I think I think that's how what it is. You know, and so we are part of that. It, organism Mm -hmm. you know and so what we do we are the consciousness i can't remember who i was listening to talking about this but we are the consciousness of the of the earth and um so uh, but i i all i know is for me is i feel most content in life when i am serving something larger than myself right and i think i floundered for for a little bit when i left the church because i no longer had that thing um Mm -hmm. but fortunately i I found, like I was, I got involved with capoeira, this Brazilian martial art, right before I left the church. And that sort of supplanted my, you know, and f- filled that hole for me. Because right. it's, you know, it's a group of people working towards a common goal. Mm-hmm. We sing songs, we have community, uh, right. you know, if you, haven't seen, if you haven't seen the martial art, it's really beautiful and it's intense and it's like dance fighting, but.
1: Right, well, let's, let's rewind rewind let's you're, rewind you're, a little bit you're you're, you're interviewing yeah. me so i'm just i'm just yeah. going with the flow bro yeah let's rewind um you know uh, just give us a um just give us a little um history about um your your christian life uh do you have a date when you were saved
0: um i guess how many times did i accept jesus into my heart yeah I mean, probably
1: like five or six but well tell me tell me about the first time
0: First time, I believe I was in—I think it was in kindergarten—and I was going to this um, Baptist. uh, It was—it was a Baptist church, a kindergarten at a Baptist church. Mm -hmm. It might have been first grade. I can't remember which one. Um, And I just remember the teacher talking about accepting Jesus in your heart. And I remember I went to into the back room, and uh, I mean, this is where you go. Dot dot dot. Went to a back room with a teacher, and this, Mm -hmm. uh, and he accepted Jesus into his heart. and then when I was seven, I accepted Jesus in my heart again. But then I was baptized.
1: Why? Like emotionally, what was what did
0: I, it, did it I, mean anything? I don't remember. I just I, it just when you're young, uh-huh. you feel like anytime you do something wrong, uh-huh. you've you've lost your faith, and you need to accept Jesus in your heart again. Um, at least at least uh, this is a common story that I've heard from a lot of evangelicals, where you know when you're especially when you're in. You know when you're like in uh, you know you come to christianity as a child or Uh junior high or high school you feel like every time you you know you sin uh you have to accept jesus in your heart again how many altar calls like so many so many my friends went to multiple altar calls because they felt they had to
1: so when you you know you're you're getting you're taken to the back by your uh is it your sunday school teacher i don't know or? i i
0: don't i don't remember yeah um but it, was, it, it they, was a teacher it was like uh it was a teacher a kindergarten yeah. teacher it wasn't sunday school it's kindergarten. Oh. kindergarten it was a baptist kindergarten
1: oh okay i see um and but you must have felt something like you did something wrong then mm, no no no, no? Because you just said,
0: you just said, I, I I jumped forward in time. I said oh, okay. I said I like, so I accepted Jesus in my heart. quote right. Unquote, right. When I was in when I was five or six, I don't remember. Right. Um, and then that I continued to accept Him in my heart and to do altar calls multiple times over the next five, six years, mm-hmm. seven years, whatever
1: it was. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and and did you? When you went up there, did you did you feel ever feel guilty for having done something wrong, and you felt like maybe I, I needed to do I, I need to I do this? I don't have or? I don't have
0: that much like I don't have a lot of specific memories. I've blocked out a lot of my my past. I had a traumatic childhood, right. so there's not, there, I can't I can't give you a lot of details about that stuff.
1: Huh. Um,
0: I'm sure I, I'm sure some of it was out of guilt. I'm sure some of it was out of wanting to, you know, there there's a there's a strong element for me of um, wanting validation needing validation mm-hmm. and you get validation by going up and doing the things um and uh and i'm going to jump forward in time because i don't really have like I, I can't give you a lot a lot of details um other than like my, my family we bounced from church to church we, we went to like a different church every couple of years mm-hmm. um probably because my I, I i i think my my parents were trying to find a place to fit in as well mm-hmm. and they never felt comfortable at most of the churches so we went to you know every different type of church from from uh very stuffy to very charismatic um speaking in tongues type places
1: and um Why did they never feel comfortable with churches?
0: Uh that's i that's their story. I I mean uh my dad just never felt comfortable in in, in anywhere in life. You know, he never felt accepted. Really? And yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until it, be- it became a moose in, in, in the, the moose lodge, which is like an elk's lodge or a, uh-huh. it's like a, I, I call it the low, low rent masons, you know, it's like, it's uh-huh. like,
1: they're, they're like, they want, they want to be masons. Um, Did he have a lot of, so he, he did he not have a lot of friends and.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, he had friends, he had friends, yeah. but he always felt, um, my dad had, um, uh, uh, he got married super young, uh, he was 19 or 20. My mom was 19, I think. Hmm. You know, he might have been 21, and she was 19. Um, and then he went off to Vietnam, uh-huh. and they they got pregnant really really quickly. Um, and he was in Vietnam at the tail end of the war, and he had like a bum knee, and he wanted to he was trying to get in um, he wanted to get into the medical program in the Navy uh, and learn a trade. And then he got discharged. It was at the end of the war and they were discharging people, the people that they didn't need anymore. And because he had a bad knee from football in high school, um, he got an honorable dis- discharge, but, but vets weren't looked highly, uh, looked at highly at, 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 that time.
1: Right.
0: And so he just had to go, he had to go find a work. And there was, I don't think there was, there was, I mean, he didn't go to college. There was no, uh, uh, what was it called? The military college program. I can't remember. Um, but, and on top of that, like my mom got pregnant mm. and so he had to take, he, he had to take care of them and, right. um, and he wanted to do, he's a smart guy. He wanted to do all these great things. Um, he wanted to go to college, see the world, learn guitar, all this kind of stuff. And then he just couldn't do. And so, uh, he felt ashamed of his life and he felt mm. like he meant he, he added up to very little. And so I think he... You know, I think he, he, want, he went to church for. They went to church for a few reasons. One, I think one was is what you're supposed to do. Two, looking for a community, but trying to figure out, like trying to find mm. that meaning in his life that he couldn't find, you know, anywhere else. And um, but because he had all this shame, he and didn't feel like he had anything to offer. As soon as, as soon as he, you know, couldn't connect or felt like he was being taken advantage of because you know he was a strong worker and and he, he would help out a lot. You know, he get he'd burn out. Um so yeah, that's 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 my take on it. But but they also had a lot I mean my my family had a lot of trauma. You know, my mm. my first two my first two brothers died. Um my my mom's my my first brother was stillborn you know so my mom went through the whole pregnancy before they realized like it, you know it wasn't a viable birth i don't think
1: they knew this and then
0: then was it was a year maybe two years later uh maybe it was a year later uh um i can't remember is it daniel i can't i think his name was daniel um uh lived a week
1: and, uh-huh. and died
0: yeah and i i don't i i don't know like my parents may have told me what from but it might have been sids or something like that mm. so Think about that, like your first two kids right. gone, and and I was the third born.
1: So you were the first survivor. I was the first survivor,
0: yeah, and that's oh. where, and that's where I, that's why I got the name Matthew, which means gift of God or gift oh. gift from God. Wow. And then my sister was, you know, born three years later.
1: Right.
0: And then when when she was twelve, she they, they discovered a brain tumor, right. and she almost died, and they had to had to do a bunch of brain surgeries on her. So. That, was, that really, you know, that really set the, you know, the foundation for our family. A lot of, you know, mm. we, and we were super poor. Right. You know, we were on government assistance. And my parents worked three jobs just to um, put, put food on the table. So I barely, like, I barely saw my dad. Right. Um, and I took, I was a latchkey kid, if you know what that that is. Right. You know, took care of myself, walked myself to school and, you um, and took care of things so from i think from third grade on so mm-hmm. i've always been pretty self
1: self-sufficient right yeah did, would you say your parents were spiritual yeah yeah
0: i mean like, would, like did you you, you know did, they did, weren't they weren't hard, they weren't hardcore they yeah. weren't they i was the hardcore
1: one um oh really you were hardcore more than them
0: yeah, well and but that happened in high school okay that
1: happened in high school because but- that because that happened part i i mean from my memory um tell me if i'm putting words in your mouth but it, you Don't know put words you, in my mouth yeah do your sister have going through a brain tumor i mean that was a pretty significant experience no in terms of your spiritual life right or yeah that-
0: yeah well because what happened was yeah. um at that point we were going to this charismatic church speaking in tongues place mm-hmm. um and she's it, 12 years. are she's 16, 12 i'm 15 15 this was in in the 90s and so it was right at the start of the purity movement you know or, or like the purity movement really got going around that point um and uh all the family resources went to taking care of taking care of my sister mm-hmm. and um and my i mean i barely saw my dad you know anyway and um so I end up hanging out with my youth pastors, and uh, that's where I got indoctrinated into a lot into a lot of these these beliefs. It's like, you know, um, that uh, you know you can't you sh- you there should be no dating before marriage. It's it, you're all, you're it's all courtship, which mm-hmm. is there's no you, know, you shouldn't make out, you shouldn't date like you should really cultivate this. Um, celibate lifestyle and in service to your future spouse. That like God created one person for you, mm-hmm. and that why would you want to? There's all, and if you if you ever watch my documentary, "Give Me Sex, Jesus," we dive into this. It's for free on Vimeo if you if you you know. Um, but this whole idea that if you're if you have sex or if you have some kind of every time you have a, a sexual experience. You're like a, you know, there's all these fucking metaphors they'd use. Like you're, you're like, you go to a magazine rack, which magazine do you buy? Do you buy the one in the front that everyone's flipped through? No, you take the one in the back because it's nice and crisp. You don't want to be that. Like if you have sex, the more you have sex, you're going to be that magazine in the front row. You know, um, all these crazy, I could tell you stories, after, you know, and metaphors after metaphors that they use. It's like And I was like this horny kid who but also really wanted the best life possible and uh so i bought into all that stuff i'm just like yeah of course i want to have a great sex life i want to have uh i, I want to honor my one true mate and so um i bought into all that stuff um but my but to tie back tie it back into my to my family it's like my pastors became my youth pastors became my my parents really mm-hmm. and um and my parents were they they just wanted me to be happy. They were they were trying to be and they were trying to be cool by like saying, We know you kids wanna do, you know, kids are drinking and trying drugs. If you want to experiment, please do it at home. You mm-hmm. know, they gave us they gave us that latitude to do that. But I didn't want to take it, you know, I didn't want to take that offer up because I'm like, that's that's evil. That's sin. That's Satan coming in. And I didn't realize that I'm this kind of explorer person. I need to try things out I need to test things and and really learn about myself um but in many ways I probably saved myself because of that because you know I didn't even I didn't even drink until I was you know well into my 20s like 26 I think was when I you know started drinking a little bit of wine Mm -hmm. I didn't even smoke weed until I was in my 30s -hmm. you know so
1: right right um well can you can you just tell me about that experience of um Oh, which one uh, going through um, going through your sister's uh, uh brain tumor um like I said I don't remember
0: I don't remember a lot of details I remember what I do remember is like my dad going through a really hard time and I remember him sitting on my bed at one point and I can't remember if he I think he was he was opening up to me and he was talking about how he just felt like he wanted to leave the family or something like that. Or this, I mean, it was, it was hard for him or, or was it like he wanted to kill himself? I don't think, it, I don't think it was that. I think it was like he wanted to leave, but, um, Leave.
1: Why? Cause it was so painful.
0: I, I guess. I don't remember. I don't remember. All i remember is him saying something about this wanting to disconnect from, you know, and leave the family in some way. Mm. That's all I remember. And, my response was uh um we just need to pray jesus will you know figure this out you know mm. and that was and that and that was in, in my brain that was the only you know that was the, the solution um and some you know some christians might say like he answered the prayer you know cuz she she's alive mm-hmm. you know um and she survived all that right um but and and i often try not to regret anything. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I was, you know, I did a lot of things back then that I'm not proud of now, you know, like, you know, uh, doing like anti-abortion marches and trying to, um, proselytize, you know, gay people in my life and those, those types of things. Um, and trying to turn every interaction into a sales pitch for Jesus and not actually Mm -hmm. being friends with people, but trying to find ways to turn it into a Jesus pitch, which I was terrible at because I, I literally converted zero
1: people. Um, But, but but you must have come away with some sort of affirmed sense of, oh, God is real. You know, when, when uh, she, uh, when she survived um, her brain tumor, no? uh no i because I, I already believed god was real okay
0: it wasn't it didn't it didn't reaffirm i'm 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 pretty optimistic I'm, i am and i can be a little pollyanna at times you know mm-hmm. um and so it takes me a, a long time you know which is why i think it took me you know i was married for so long and why i didn't like see the signs that i wasn't was i wasn't happy um and it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't like oh my god therefore god is great like i i i did i did things like all right so here's an example here's an example mm. of my evangelical brain right i think i was in 7th grade maybe 6th grade and uh we didn't like like I said, we didn't have a lot of money
1: mm.
0: we had these this washer or dryer that was rented and it broke and my parents were freaking out about you know what um, what to do and have the money for it to fix it or get a new one. I, I can't remember what it was. we think. Maybe, maybe it, was a, it wasn't a rental, but whatever, we couldn't afford it. I went out there, I laid my hands on the, on the fucking thing and prayed and it, and it started working again, hmm. you know? And I, and it, it became a, a joke at, at the church that I was, I mean, not like, it was like, um, the fix, uh, yeah, that was, yeah, I was like, I was, I, I was the, you know, I was the, the, the appliance intercessor or yeah. something like that, like
1: that. Um, god's handyman
0: yeah i mean so in my in my brain i'm like oh therefore god exists you know correlation does not equal causation though
1: right 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 Mm. so okay so you're this uh born-again christian in high school and then you go to college and you you, when, when do you meet your wife uh i met her right before i turned 21 okay so it's like you're Either just coming out of college, or I was
0: in college. I, I right. did the six-year plan. It took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, and tell tell me about um, you know, the, just your relationship with her, how that began, and what that was like. Well,
0: or... I mean, well, I, I mean, here's a story though. Like I, um, right before I met her, I I had dated briefly i mean by briefly i mean like one week mm-hmm. maybe two weeks this girl at my church mm-hmm. and um i was well into my like, commitment you know I'd made, I'd made i'd made a commitment at the end of high school you know not to date anyone you know not to kiss anyone all this stuff and um and i that lasted a year and then long story short, I end, I went on a couple dates with this one girl and um, we ended up making out on her couch while watching uh, The Saint with Val Kilmer. And there's that scene where they're like, all, all I remember is like, they're in this car and, and they're freezing and they had to get naked because they needed the body heat to stay warm mm-hmm. or something like that. And me and this girl started making out. And then I could just sense that like, she was really into me and that, you know, we were going to get physical and I was all amped up because I'd never done anything really. I'd kissed someone once and we ended up like taking her shirt off and, and taking her bra off. And, and it was the first time I touched a breast and I, as soon as that happened, I stopped. And you you know, the story of like Joseph and the coat, or is it Joseph and the coat of many colors and how he like, you know, was tempted by the the ruler's wife you know and and he had to run out of that and she grabbed his coat and he ran out naked you know and uh yeah yeah, yeah. it's a whole old testament thing like that's how it was like for me i'm like shit Uh i just touched i touched this tit and i Uh got and i just stopped Uh and i apologized and i said i'm sorry i'm sorry and she you know she was like what i I, what what's what's wrong i'm just like "I, i i gotta go i so i just left and i went to my office i you know this office i worked in it was like late at night And I just like fell on the ground. I was praying. I'm like, God, forgive me. I sinned and beating myself up. And I'm like, you know, and I broke up with her then like the next day, because I was so sinful. I couldn't handle it. Really, I didn't, I wasn't that into her. So, you know, I looking back on that now, I, now that I know myself, I'm like, yeah, I wasn't into her. Um, I was just excited to mess around, but I used that as an excuse to, to break up, but um but back then, I'm just like, ah, oh, this is a sinful thing. But I, I made a commitment. I, I made a commitment to God that I'm like, I'm not uh, I'm not going to French kiss anybody until, you know, I get married to my wedding day. Uh-huh. I, that was a dumb thing. And I also said, like, I'm just going, I need to, like, cultivate godly, you know, friendships with godly women. Um, so I called up this, you know, so it was, like, a few weeks later, I called up a friend of mine who, you know, I had, I had a crush on, but she was, like, a really good, like... You know, prayer warrior, and, mm-hmm. and um, I said, like, let's hang out. You know, let's do something. And she was like, Yeah, let's go. She got all her friends together, and we went ballroom dancing. And really, she wanted to use it as a, you know, she she brought a, a you know, a couple guys, a bunch of girls, and hoping that someone would like maybe hit it off. And that's where I met my wife.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was at this ballroom dancing um, uh, night, yeah. and uh, you know, we hit it off, and we started dating, and. Um, and, you know, I kept my word. I didn't French kiss her until, at least I made it till, till we were engaged. Wow. Yeah. But, uh,
1: what, why, what drew you to her? What, why, why did you guys like each other?
0: We just, you know, we just, we made each other, made each other laugh. She mm. got my jokes. Um, we, I was learning guitar at the time. And so I was, I was in, I was in a worship band and she knew all these random worship songs. I, that I loved mm. that very few people knew, mm. you know, and, uh, we could just, we just talked, we just connected on a, on a deeper level. And I had never connected with anyone like that mm. ever before. So do
1: you feel like you guys connected on some sort of spiritual level yeah. as well? Yeah.
0: hundred yeah. percent. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But For- in, in what sense, like, what would you guys do? Like would you guys pray together? Would you guys, you know, talk about God, you know, what's the Yeah,
0: we do we do, we we do all that. Yeah. Yeah, all that.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it, I guess it's like when I think about uh me and Hejong, um I mean, I I think I told you like we when we would get into fights, um praying actually helped. It was cuz it's, it's almost as if we had a we always had a therapist, yeah, like a yeah, third yeah. party, yeah. and that was like a helpful party to kind of help us come together. And so that was definitely like a practice that you know went into jeopardy once I, I left the faith. So yeah, I guess that, that's that's the. But so but we, didn't, we didn't have we didn't
0: have any practices like that. We, okay. We, so we, that's we, I mean
1: that's what I'm asking. That was what I was. Yeah. Asking no. 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 Know. We didn't like. I mean, we yeah we prayed, but it wasn't
0: like it wasn't like prayer was our therapist like we actually right. had a therapist, you
1: know <laughs> you know it's like did you guys have premarital counseling yeah and... we did premarital counseling yeah yeah,
0: yeah. like yeah. what we did, we did read the five love, love languages and what's that you don't know five love languages yeah. oh my god you should read this book this is this is like it's one of the most classic relationship guide books and uh. the whole premise of it is is like every person has you know finds love in, in unique ways. The, pro, the premise of it is like, you know, a lot, lot of times the conflict that happens in a relationship is when you're trying to love someone in, the, in your way, but they mm. need to be loved in a different way. So like one of the ways is like, you know, some people, you know, gift giving is, is, is how they show love. Mm. Other people is, is physical affection. Other people are words of affirmation. Um, there's quality time. Uh, and the fifth one's acts of service. So, like, say if you're a person that really values physical touch. Like, physical touch is how you show love. Mm -hmm. But the other person is a quality time person. Like, I don't care how much you touch me. I just want you to spend time with me. Right. But you keep trying to, like, show them with physical affection, but you're not spending quality time. Then you're there's a disconnect and you're not mm-hmm. feeling love. And so by understanding the other person's love language, like you, you know that your wife really likes you know, acts of service. Like she likes you to do things for her mm-hmm. or do things around the house or do things. And once you know that, you can then be like, all right, even though that's not how I see love, I'm going to do things for her. Or even though words of affirmation are not what I need, I'm going to tell her she's beautiful and she's doing a great right. job because that's what she
1: needs. So what's your language?
0: Uh, mine is physical touch. I mean, usually you can have like, you know, a couple. Usually you have like a, yeah. a main one and then a right. secondary one. Mine's like physical touch and, uh, I say like, uh, words of affirmation, you know. Mm-hmm. I want, I want people to like, you know, validate you, validate me or like, you know, uh, say uh, that you're good. Be, or, or, but also be moved by like, you know, by things that I do. And like, I right. love to be like, I, I'm gonna, you know write you a song or or um write you a poem or photo right. make a dumb photoshop thing to make you laugh and right, right. you know tell me how much tell me how much you how much that meant to you i'm like right. you know i love Let's that see. shit
1: yeah what was uh what was your wife's ex-wife?
0: i don't remember uh i think no? qual- like oh qual- quality. you don't remember oh it's been a while like it's i think it was qual like quality time and uh yeah. definitely definitely quality time is is a, it was a big one for her okay Yeah. You know, gifts gifts weren't you know it might have been in physical touch i think
1: yeah so. So, okay, so you're married. Sorry, and Sorry.
0: Huh? I'm saying sorry to my ex-wife, oh. if, she, if she hears this. Oh. <laughs> well, she
1: might. Uh, so, you, uh, well, we haven't even... When do you decide that, okay, I'm going to marry her?
0: Uh, within like two months. Within two, oh, wow. Yeah, within really? Within two months, I'm like... I remember sitting down with my dad over breakfast and going like, how do you know when someone... When you're ready to marry someone, you
1: know? Um and you're 20 I, was, I just turned 21 21 yeah, yeah. Right. You know, but but
0: but she was not you know she was a she was a slow mover so she put down she's like you
1: um, uh, um, oh so you proposed and she was like oh let's no no
0: no no, no. it um, wasn't it wasn't that it's was like we start talking about like this is this is great we look like uh-huh. I'm, I'm into this you know and um, we started like you know is marriage a thing and mm. um, and she was like we have to wait at least a year, to you know, to mm-hmm. get engaged. I waited a year and one day. Mm-hmm. The day after, the day after a year, I proposed. Wow.
1: Yeah. Okay. you were in the hurry.
0: Well, I was in a hurry because I, I mean, like I wanted to have sex, you know, right. and, and not because, and also it wasn't like I just wanted to have sex with just whomever. It was like right. I was really into her. I loved right. her. Right. Um And I'm like, and this is, and this is what I think one of the things that like really. Um, hindered me in life was that because I had because I had put so much emphasis on on sex and waiting and having perfect sex, mm-hmm. like and there was all these pastors that would tell me like you know then there was all, there was this new sort of this new way of pushing sex, you know, not being a downer about it. And they'd be like, sex is great. Sex is from God. Yes, Mm -hmm. we want you to have all the sex and you can have, you know, whatever sex you want in the, in marriage. And then you can, then it's a playground. Do whatever the, do whatever you want. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, And except for gay sex, don't do that. Um, But, uh, but I'm like, that was, I was, I I wanted to experience that right away Mm -hmm. as quickly as possible. And, uh, and the one thing I will say is like the, the, the night I waited, we, I waited till, till, you know, we waited till our our wedding night and, and I was like, as that, that next day and the next morning I woke up and I was like, that was it. This is it. This is what I was like, you know, saving everything for. This is what I was like all amped up about. It was just so like, uh, and it was, it was a bummer for me because i was just like, Man. Ah, Man. you know, and, um, and out of that, like I was in my, I, I was, like I was saying earlier, I was in the media theory class, you know, and we had part of our media theory class. So we had to create our own media theory. And my, my final paper was, you know, my theory was this golden, I call it the golden moment theory. I mean, and I'm sure there's actually some, this is not like groundbreaking stuff that I came up with, but. Um, at at the time it was groundbreaking for me and it's this idea that the stories we tell ourselves, um, are stories of completion and we will be complete once we reach a certain stage. Like, you know, once we have sex, once we get married, once we have kids, once we get that job, you know, whatever it is, there's that thing, that goal that once we hit that mark fireworks will go off, the the orchestra will swell, and you will live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. And we're all chasing that happily ever after moment. But the reality is, there is no happily ever after. There is no... There are no fireworks. There are... There is no <laughs> s- the orchestra following you around. Mm-hmm. There's just the journey. You're just mm-hmm. always on the journey. Right. You know? And maybe maybe the fireworks and music happens when you die. Who the fuck knows? I don't know. Right. But But, you know, that waking up that next morning going like this is this is what i saved myself for and um and one of the things that you know that still haunts me to this day was shortly into my marriage it was like maybe six months maybe a year i had a dream i had a dream that uh my wife died in a plane crash Mm -hmm. and i was so excited because i was free Mm -hmm. that means i could go off and and meet someone else and have sex with someone else, and I woke up. and I felt like shit. Mm-hmm. I felt like that is a terrible dream. But that was my my subconscious going. This isn't right. This isn't right. This is not something's off. Right. Um, but I just didn't know, you know, what to do with that. I didn't know. Mm. Um, and on all, all that to say, like, my ex and I, we're still we're still friends. Right. You know, um, I've been to. Her house, and she just, you know, she's married again. And I've been over there, right. and and I've sat with her and her husband, and um, we still support each other. Uh, so she was a I I married a great person, right? One of the best people, you know, I've ever met. Um, one of the things I I have learned, one of the philosophies I've come to appreciate. This is something that I learned, you know. Now we're you know we're jumping ahead, like you know I did. did polyamory for a while and and open sexuality and was reading all these books and and one of the concepts that was talked about often was that we often look at relationships ending as a failure Mm -hmm. and that was the reason why like i was married for 13 years and and i i knew probably six seven years in that uh, you know this wasn't working and and i knew 11 years in that my therapist was like you should have you ever thought about getting a separation and I couldn't because I didn't want to fail. I mean, right. by that point, my faith was was I was hanging hanging by a thread. I was barely a Christian at that point. But I um, but I didn't want to fail the relationship. I didn't want to be a failure. Right. So I stayed on. And it wasn't until making "Give Me Sex, Jesus," the, you know, our documentary, that I realized that I was still living under this purity mm-hmm. model, this purity um, uh, pledge, right. which is. You know you don't you don't have sex before marriage you don't cheat while you're in marriage and then you don't have a divorce if you if you if you make all those three things happen you have a successful marriage right. and it wasn't until doing that, that i'm like oh shit, i need to this isn't working
1: right um so you know there's two things happening which is your relationship yeah. with your wife with the marriage and then your life as a christian right are they, um, are, are they separate um I mean there's two separate things that that are interconnected. So I guess my question to you is can you tell me about can you t- can you tell me when you actually began to even doubt the idea of Christianity? Um it was it was it was, it was more
0: was a it was a slow, you know, it was very slow was slow progress I mean would you almost there, say there, there, was, there was no moment Where I'm just like Christianity right. is false It was a My version of Christianity Isn't working So I um, I mean
1: What do you that, mean Your version of the Christianity Is not working As it like,
0: that, that, that my understanding Is wrong That I need to dive in more and, and try a different church Try a different like
1: Why did you feel that though Why did you feel that It wasn't working Because it wasn't working But what know? does that mean Like you're not
0: depressed like, well, No you're, like you I, know, I had you know, Like just talk about, about in terms of like sex, right? Okay. I was, I was built, I was built up through my you know culture, through my you know pastors, through all this right. was that my sex life and my marriage will look a certain way if I followed a certain path. I see. When that thing didn't hit the mark. Yeah. I'm like, okay, there's, a, there's one of two, two things. One is either, um, there's something wrong about uh, about God or about mm. the or about the expression of of, of God in this faith, or there's something wrong with me. Mm. I would say the first six years of my marriage, I was I was looking at me. I'm like, oh, there's something wrong with me. Right. And I would right. beat myself up, and I would try to like jam myself back into the box. And then halfway through the marriage, I'm like, no, there's got to be something wrong with what what I believe. So then I started deconstructing what I believe and started, and that's sort of what led me eventually to the documentary of like, why did I believe this stuff? What is it that is like, this does not jive with what I've said, what I was told the world would be like if mm-hmm. I followed the path?
1: See, I think that, but, but, you know, when you took that step, right, of looking at yourself and beating yourself up and then saying, it's not me, it's the philosophy, I think that's a pretty big step. Because I, I think a lot of people, spend their whole lives beating themselves up you know uh about no it's me who failed not god basically yeah. but i
0: don't but i don't know i i don't i can't give you an exact moment that that happened yeah that's what i'm saying it was like it was like a it was a it was a slow slope or you know it was well a- do you
1: like i guess my question is were there were you what kind of before you started turning the scope away from you and taking a look at the philosophy of christianity uh, what were you doing actively to look at yourself as okay, is there something wrong with me? Are you going to therapy or yeah, you... I, went,
0: I went I went to therapy, I read would read books. Yeah. I mean, I think I think maybe one of the turning points for me was taking my first real international trip. Um, huh. I went to I went to, to uh Guatemala. 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 Uh-huh. How old were you? Uh I was 27, 27, 28. Oh wow. I mean, it wasn't my first, I I, I should say it wasn't my first international trip. I did, um, you know, I I went to Scotland, Ireland on my honeymoon. I did some trips to Canada and and Mexico, but just like nothing, nothing really deep and intense. Um, But I wanted to have an immersive experience Mm -hmm. in another country. I wanted to really learn Spanish. Mm -hmm. Um, And with under the, like with the encouragement of my wife, I went to Guatemala for six weeks and lived with a with a with a family down there who spoke no English and um, studied Spanish and what was it
1: through like i mean is it, it, just, it, it, just, it just, like a mission program no no it was just,
0: it, it was not christian related at all i mean at that point i wasn't like i mean i wasn't i was far more of a hipster but, you know i i um i was really into um, what was it called uh it was like this postmodern christianity uh, emergent emergent you know, uh, uh, emergent churches, emergent uh, right. theology, okay. and at that point, I was just like, you know, I, I, I'd I switched in high school, I mean, in college, I switched from being a conservative to a liberal, and I
1: you were was, the cool Christian,
0: I became a cool Christian, and I'm also like, I'm the Christian that, that thinks you. You know, God accepts gay people. Yeah, you, know? you listen you know?
1: to DC Talk, which is no, cool. At and... that
0: point, I was like, you know, fuck DC Talk. At that point, no? I, yeah, okay. at that point, I was listening to like, you know, Death Cab for Cutie. And oh, you were know, yeah.
1: the real cool. You're dude listening to secular music. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I left that. I left that stuff behind after like, you know, you know, in, in college. Right. Yeah, you know, college was really like I, I switched. You know, I went from career, okay. you, know, you know from Conservative to liberal, right. uh, a progressive. So you, progressive so you go to person. Guatemala. So I went to Guatemala, but I, I had this. Um, it was the first time that I was on my own, mm. like and because um, I went from living for my with my parents to living with roommates to being married, and this was the first time like I was literally on my own and um, with all these people who. You know, none of them—none of them were were Christian or really Christian, and people were hooking up and, you know, right. smoking weed and getting drunk, and and I was just in awe of all this stuff, and I was like so tempted by all of it, and just, right. um, and I had a moment where I, I, uh, I had a really strong connection with with one of the other students there, mm. and there was a night we were all like drinking at this little yellow bar and i'm just like i'm like i could probably make something happen if i wanted to Mm -hmm. and i had i had that like moment where i'm just like should i i don't know uh i felt so charged i hadn't felt that charged in a long time Mm. and i made the choice though at that moment i'm just like nope i'm not going to do it and i and so i chose to talk to her about like you know for the first time i i am like yeah i'm married by the way da, da, da. Mm-hmm. and we we end up having a really great conversation mm-hmm. uh, about everything and this woman who i don't i don't remember her name but you know she was she actually had really good counsel for me and, you know she's like yeah don't like yeah, don't go off and cheat you know it's like it's just sex sex is just like it's not uh, you know, don't ruin a whole relationship just for a hookup. Or and you know, she was telling me all these stories, mm. and um, and I, I realized that like now I realize that it's easy to have that point of view once you've done it all,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but when you haven't done it all, it's just like. And I think this is one of the premises of the podcast for me, which is when you when you empower something by putting it on a shelf or putting it behind a curtain, putting it behind a veil and saying, don't do that thing
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because X, Y, Z, then it entices you even more. Mm. And, And now I'm not encouraging anyone to do anything that isn't, that isn't right for them or that's illegal or whatever, you know, be safe and smart, but you know, things are only magical if you can make them magical. Things are only taboo if you make them taboo. Things are only, you know, I mean, and Orpheus talks about all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, our Orpheus Black, that was our second episode. But, you know, now that I've done a lot of these things, now that I've done like, had, I've had a lot of sex, a lot of crazy sex, all the sex that I've ever wanted in all the mm-hmm. different iterations I could ever imagine. Now I've done all the drugs I've wanted to do now that I've done the travel that I wanted to do, I'm like, all right, here I am. Mm-hmm. Now I can sit from from this place, from this mountaintop, and be like, yeah, sex is is not something that's worth um, destroying something for. Mm-hmm. Um, doing a drug is not worth destroying something something for. Like, um, but is there value in those things? Yes. Right. You know, should you explore those things? Yes.
1: Um, but what's what would you say is the, you know, when you came back from Guatemala, what what was the perspective shift? Yeah, you, well, you said it was a turning point. It
0: was a turning point. Yeah, because it, I I I saw a world. I saw a world I had never seen before. Okay. And I saw a possibility, and it was hard to put that genie back in the bottle. You know, and mm. I think this is why like some some parents don't want their kids to see this stuff or do these things because they don't want them to be tempted. Um, But I, you know, I want to say that you might me my parents didn't shelter me as as much as like the culture that they, the churches that they took me to sheltered me. Mm. And then I sheltered myself because you know, I was impressionable and I, and I I'm someone that wants to do things the right way. Because mm-hmm. I want the be- I want. I want to do it the best way. Right. So when someone says I have the best way to do something, I'm like, I want to do it that way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you say that? Well, so you, when you you come back from Guatemala, do you tell your ex wife about?
0: Yeah, I told her about
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. What like? And did you frame it in a certain way, or would you say you ah. were totally honest about ah. like you were tempted and blah blah blah. I mean, I was, I was fairly honest. Yeah. I mean,
0: I I don't remember if I was like, I don't think I shared every single detail, Mm. but I said I, I considered it.
1: Yeah. You know? And And what did she say to that?
0: I mean, it it hurt her, but she's also grateful that I didn't do anything. Right. You know? So, um, yeah.
1: And so you come back with this kind of perspective of possibility, I guess, you know, um, I guess uh, making the documentary is a big is was a big step, right? In terms of turning that scope of introspection.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, the the sort of the next leap was, um, you know, I was at that point, uh, I was like, I think it was ten years into my marriage, um, I uh, I was really working on trying to write a screenplay that was loosely based upon, you know, it it was about like. Uh, a pastor's kid who uh, finds out his his dad had an illegitimate family. He was going to mm. travel across the country to meet the family because his dad his dad died. It was a whole it was a whole adventure story. Um, mm. And at this point, I was uh, I was really really struggling, and um, I decided to do a train trip across America. Um, and I went from. California to New York. And I stopped in every single state and I would stay there for a few days. Mm-hmm. And it took me a month to do. And I was, and I was really obsessed with On the Road with, by Jack Kerouac at the time. And so I'm just like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be I know, a beatnik. I'm just going to like, yeah, I brought one tiny backpack. I mean, like a, like a, a grade school backpack. Mm-hmm. That was it. And in it, I had two changes of clothes and a laptop. Mm-hmm. That was it. You know, and I, and I got off, like I got off and my first stop was in a, um, a Flagstaff. And it was, it was, it was June. I thought oh, I was going to be hot the whole time. I brought nothing warm. And I was freezing my ass off because Flagstaff is like, you know, high up. So mm. I had to buy, like, I had to go to the thrift store and buy some shit. But on this, on this journey, like I was, I was really struggling. and Struggling how? Just, just in life, just feeling stuck. And so my, like my therapist was just like, you know, what? just, you know, let, let yourself, you know, just explore, explore yourself on this trip.
1: Hmm. You know? So your therapist kind of gave you permission. Yeah. In a
0: way. Yeah. Yeah. And so on this trip, I, I gave myself one rule, you know, my rule was like, I had to be yes. And so if, if, and within reason, if anyone told me to do something or, you know, it's like, go here, check this thing out or if someone or if I saw someone interesting I had to talk to them I had to, you know, go down the path that, that, um, so that trip really opened up my, opened up my world. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I mean, look, I, I did a lot of things. I've done a lot of things in my life that I regret and a lot of things like looking back now at at that moment in my life, I should have been like, listen, This isn't working for me. We need to separate. I need to go off and do my thing. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying all this stuff I did on this trip was noble. Right. I, I grateful for the experience. I am regretful of, of not knowing myself well enough. So on me on that trip, I had, you know, I, I, I didn't, I hooked up with someone for the first time. Mm -hmm. We did everything but have sex, Mm -hmm. but it was like the first time I felt this kinetic energy with another human being, mm-hmm. that kind of sexual energy that I I had never felt before. Um, uh, I went to my first strip club, um, did, like met some random artists in St. Louis, and did a midnight bike ride in the you know strip club until like you know until the sun came up. That was crazy. Um, uh, helped this random artist colony install a, a you know a, a statue. Um, spoke with this really bizarre woman in Dodge City, Kansas, who may or may not have cut off another dude's dick in retribution for abusing another woman. You know, uh, along the way I I was carrying this little vial of water and rocks and sand from the Pacific Ocean. Mm -hmm. And my goal I called I was it was a coast to coast trip. And so I was gonna take that vial and then take it to the Atlantic Ocean. I met this woman in St. Louis this old woman at a bus stop who had never seen the Pacific Ocean, and so I gra- grabbed the vial and I like, here, you've seen the Pacific Ocean. This is from the and, and it, that was like that was a nice little moment with her, right? Mm. Um, and staying in hostels for the first time and experiencing that culture and um, it was it was a radical trip. And at the end of it, I made the commitment. You know for me i'm i was still like i was still a christian at that point but you know it wasn't like i was trying to make it work and what did you i, mean- I well, uh, and then i like um i made the commitment at the end of the trip i'm like you know what i sowed my wild oats i did all this stuff never again really and, yeah and I, I dumped i dumped the ocean the water into the atlantic ocean i committed to god like you
1: know i did that let's put let's
0: put that put that to bed
1: oh huh. Well, that didn't that didn't last, did it?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> what did you tell her when you left? Like, what did she, What? How did she take this trip? I don't. I don't remember what I told her.
0: Yeah. Heck like, I just. I. I, I was writing a, a screenplay. It was the World Cup. It was what twenty ten World Cup, right? Uh, yeah, twenty ten World Cup, and uh-huh. um, that was the year that that U S made it to the round of sixteen and got knocked out by Ghana. And but I would just stop in every in every state and watch, you know, I'd stop in every and watch all the games, um, and I just wanted to get adventurous to write to write my screenplay.
1: It's just interesting. I mean, I didn't, I didn't,
0: I, well, I mean, I didn't tell her like, hey, I'm gonna go out and like, fuck around.
1: Yeah, you know, I just, I just wondered like, what, you know, yeah, what, what exa- how you framed it for because,
0: there like we, that's the thing we had like we had, she trusted me she's a good person like that yeah you know and um but she knew in her heart that like i wasn't happy and she was trying to like you know
1: Hmm.
0: you know uh give me the latitude to
1: yeah yeah does she feel like this marriage was failing at that point do you uh, think
0: i think shortly after that yeah you know um because she i mean she and she tried really hard yeah and she did she did try really hard yeah
1: you know that that trip is like like that's a move that's that's a movie
0: it is a movie, yeah, and i and I tried and I well the <laughs> like mo- just that trip you yeah, know no, I mean this look i mean the the script I wrote had like half of those stories in it, yeah, you know, but it wasn't about me and if i if I made a movie about me mm-hmm. and it was a very personal you know indie film you know Mm. for a million bucks a guy on the road like losing his faith and and exploring shit for the first time that's a movie
1: right you know yeah 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 no it's cool um so you go on this trip which was so and, and, and 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 then you recommit to god again yeah right but
0: and this and this is what led to the documentary okay this script is what led to the documentary
1: the script the script i wrote Wait, which oh the the one the one about um... the pastor's kitten? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So I wrote. So I,
0: I go on this trip. I get all these stories. Yeah. Uh, and then I use all these stories in my script. I see. And then, um, I I wanted to make a short documentary mm. about the world to help sell my to help sell the idea of the of the world of the script. And I started interviewing my friends about their sex life, and that's what
1: led to Give Me Sex, Jesus. Huh. Okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So you start you know, when you start the documentary you're a Christian.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, but, you... but I was but I was not but I was a nominal Christian at that point, you know. I didn't believe that like I thought all the stuff I was taught
1: was was bullshit, but um I mean you thought the purity movement was bullshit.
0: Yeah, but I thought I mean thought the purity movement was bullshit. I thought the way that the church, you know, thought about Christians was bullshit. Um, I thought about what do you mean? Well, that, I mean the way the church thought about gay people. Sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, um, I thought that the way that most churches did culture and, and community was was false and just consumeristic, and um, I was I was a ra- if, if anything, I was like a, a radical Christian, you know. Um, mm. But I was, I, you know, I, I had, I had, I was ready to. I mean, I'd already, I almost quit. I almost quit until like we found this one church, um, Ecclesia in right. Hollywood, uh, that I went to and, and I'm like, all right, this is kind of cool. Like they're not like super preachy about things and they're, you know, they don't, they don't have a, I think prop eight was big at the time and there was mm-hmm. no, they didn't take a stance on prop eight, um, which was about like the banning gay marriage in California. And, and right. I'm like, okay, great. This is, this is a church I can do. Um i still i mean i still like the culture i mean i still liked having the community i mean not the Mm -hmm. cult the culture i didn't like but the community i liked um yeah and i still believed that there was some kind of god um did i believe that that christianity was the only way no right at that point i'm like you know i believe that catholics and muslims and you know jewish people and buddhists they all had some Form of the truth and we all right. are just searching for the same thing right. so at that point i was just like you know this is just my way of searching for, for this thing you know
1: right. um so you start you know interviewing your friends about sex life i mean how does that evolve to interviewing experts and all these historians And
0: well because I, I started like I, I i for a long time like one of the things the the premise of the documentary if you don't know is like is it's like it's called give me sex jesus but it originally was called jesus don't let me die before i've had sex that mm-hmm. was the original title right and that was a, a i used to pray as a kid for me it was a rapture because i grew up in this super um mm-hmm. churches that taught about the rapture that jesus was going to come back and take us all to heaven before the end times mm-hmm. um and i was terrified that i wasn't gonna have sex before i got you know before the rapture so that's why I used to pray, but I thought I was a weirdo. I thought I was the only one that prayed that shit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, it was like a pastor at a church that that had a, he had a sermon about about that about you now not wanting to die before I had sex. I'm like, oh my god, I'm not the only one. Well, I started interviewing my friends and, and asking them if they if they prayed that too. And sure enough, almost everyone prayed mm-hmm. some version of that prayer. Mm-hmm. And. What started out as a sales piece for a screenplay that never got made, I quickly realized that this is the story. This mm. is the this is the movie right here, and I knew that I needed. Like, I didn't want it to just be a bunch of stories. I wanted it to be underpinned by, um, by experts talking about where this philosophy came from. Right. And I didn't. I, and I didn't have a degree in any of that shit. So, um, that's where that element came in. You know, because I wanted it to be tied into um, a sociological, you know, psychological, historical discussion on the purity movement and the roots of it.
1: Right, right. Can you just talk about the process of, of making the documentary? I mean, how does that ultimately get you to basically leave the church and, you know, separate with your wife? I mean, how does that... Well,
0: I mean, once you, like, once I realized that, I mean, there's a segment in the documentary. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's basically looking at the racist roots of the purity movement. Right. And once I started seeing all this stuff and realizing how insidious a lot of this philosophy is, I I lost... Like, the church lost all credibility for me at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, because then everything became a, a construct. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I was already hanging on by a thread. I was already hanging on by a thread, and you know, you, I get sucked into this world of, you know, through all this stuff, I meet people that were doing polyamory and uh, kinky people, and and these amazing uh, queer communities and this like self-expression that that I had, I think, longed for, mm. and this freedom of self that you know. I could only imagine and dream of. And long story short, uh, you know, in the process, uh, you know, I met someone, fell in love, had an affair. And at that point, I was just like, nope, I I can't do this anymore. Um, And it was at that moment that, uh, you know, I sought a separation from my my wife. And we started the process of, uh, you know. um, But in all that, in the midst of all that, you know, my dad almost died. Mm. And um he had a an, an aneurysm and was in the coma for two two and a half weeks. Mm. And um and I think that was probably part of it as well of like, you know, having all my family around and praying and 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 uh once he 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 was given a twenty percent chance of survival and he pulls out mm-hmm. and and my family's all thinking it's God and Jesus. I'm like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad was not a health was not a healthy man. You know, yeah. and and even at that point, when I you know at that point, I couldn't tell any of my family that I was separating, that all this stuff was happening. Right. Um. And but when my dad was recovering, I told him a lot of this stuff. I'm like, you know, I'm like, I don't know if I believe in God anymore, and I have a hard time. And my, I mean, and that's the cool thing about my dad is I can sort of just talk to him about it, anything like this stuff. And um, he was, he even he said, he like, he's like, I don't think God healed me. You know, it's like I was at that point, it was like 300 pounds or something like that. He's like, I think, you know, the doctors and my body did its thing. Um, and uh, but it was at that point, that I just I, I think at that point, I just I couldn't go back. Like I couldn't go back. I'd seen too much of the world at that point. I've ex- I had uh, hmm. uh, exposed a lot of the false beliefs that had held me, shackled me to this faith, and I wasn't able to. Like for me, there was no, there was there was nothing left. There was nothing left to go back to. Hmm. Um, I just saw all these people, like you know, being enslaved to this uh, this. False sense of of God that to me didn't exist, mm. um, and not that not that there's not value in in the communal activity that they're doing, right. um, and 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 this was what six seven years ago, and I'm now at a place where i like I've I've sort of swung around and I I can see an appreciation for Christianity a different appreciation for it. Mm. but it's not a, you know, God came down and wrote this book and delivered it upon us and every word is is holy and everything is is literal. It's more of a... No, it's it's a, a group of people over thousands of years who are trying to express some sort of divine concept in, in the best language that they have. And it's a, a record of their journey. And mm. there's some powerful truths in there. And there's things that I still look back on and rely on and, and think about. Um, even like we said earlier, like this whole idea of, you know, the sins of, the sins of the father are passed down to generations. It's like, you know, I feel like that's early Christians or I don't, I don't remember if it's Old Testament or New Testament, you know, Jewish people like, um, you know, expressing the truth, mm. you know, and, and there still is truth in the Bible. Right. But do I think it's the, the literal word of God? No. Right. And that's and I feel like that's a philosophy that is getting us as a country and the world into trouble a lot of times. Like this is the literal word of God, and everything is got to be taken, you know, as literal. Like, well, you can poke holes in everyone's philosophy, and because you can. The Bible counter contradicts itself all the time.
1: All right. Anyway, I mean, so much of you know, um, I guess what I connect to about your experience and. Um, something that's always interesting to me about this idea of coming out of Christianity is it's, it's, it's never, it's never logical. It's never about dis, it's never about disproving God. You know, it's, it's, it's always about what else is out there. You know, so much about your experience is about exposure to the world outside of just this kind of boxed in view of Christian, uh, of a Christian life of growing up in a in this kind of nuclear family and getting married and then having a stable job and but it seems like the experience that you described that it really exposed you to kind of open up to the world outside of christianity is really just about an almost like a sense of adventure about opening up to a sense of adventure i mean do you do you think that too or like what do you like what are your thoughts on that
0: well i i, I mean i i what comes to mind, I don't know if this is going to answer your question, but um, I think it's important to state, and this is one of the things that I was trying to get across in, in the documentary, Give Me Sex, Jesus, was mm-hmm. that I'm not, I wasn't criticizing abstinence or, or celibacy. Yeah. Um, I wasn't trying to glorify uh, open sexuality, mm-hmm. any of it. I, it all comes down to like what's right for you. It's, I think, and I think this is one of my big critiques of a lot of Christian, you know, probably a lot of, you know, a lot of religions is that they say, this is the right way to be. Right. And that may work for some people and that does work for some people, but it doesn't work for all people. And I think if one thing that we can learn, like one thing as a, as a world that we can learn from like, you know, the LGBTQIA queer movement, you know, it's like it's we're all so different and unique and we all have different needs and we all have different ways of being and we need to embrace those differences and those ways of, of being and by ascribing sexuality in a black and white sense you are you, you might be you know you, you're cutting off a lot of people and you right. might even be cutting off yourself in, in some ways right. by not by not exploring um, and not being open to certain things. And that doesn't mean, to me, it doesn't mean like, you know, go out and, and harm yourself because, you know, you're curious about something, you know, it's, I'm trying to put, put words to this, it, there's, there's always like, for me, it's like, just the more we shed light on all these different ways of being, Mm -hmm. and the more we normalize all of it Mm -hmm. as a, you know, as, as, as just an expression of humanity. I think the the more we'll find love and compassion for all of it, and it won't be this weird, twisted, dark, whatever negative term you want to ascribe to any of this stuff.
1: Can you just tell me a li- little bit about what it was like to... I mean, what came first, that to telling your wife that you're not Christian or telling your wife like, how to separate, uh, talking to your wife about separation?
0: It was all... I think it was... I don't remember. Uh, yeah. I don't remember. It was all kind of... Part and parcel. I, I think, I, I think the the official leaving my Christian faith was after, you know. But it was also around the same time.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But but by that point, like 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 I was always the I was always the um, the more intense Christian, the more devout Christian. Mm. You know, she grew up Catholic and um, moved over to evangelical, but she was never, uh, and and she's still not. She's still. Um, um, she wasn't as fanatical, um, and she's still not. I, I I don't I I don't I don't see it, but but she's don't. technically Christian. Yeah, still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, but she I mean she knew she knew that I was you know I, I was hanging on by a thread and I, I and I was I, I was intent on leaving the church you know and yeah. and we didn't go to church for a year and then then. Um, you know, maybe, maybe a year. I don't remember. But uh, but then, yeah, then we found this other church, that, that the last church I went to. My last church, my final church. Um, but, yeah. And then after that, it was just, you know, after I finally left the, left the marriage and left the faith, I just set on this path to, you know, explore lots of different things. Yeah. Um, uh, and, I mean, we can maybe get, get into this in future podcasts or something. But, right. you know... Um, the short version is, you know, I just tried open sexuality and polyamory. Um, di- you know, did all the tried different spiritual practices, and, and I, I never, you know, I, and I fl- I float between like s- some days I feel like I'm an atheist, some days I feel like I'm agnostic. Um, I always have trouble with one spirit, one spirituality gets too woo woo, you know, it gets too um, any- anything that that. Ask you to subscribe to the whole system, or else, you're, or else you're not real mm-hmm. devout. I I have issues with that. Um,
1: what do you feel like today?
0: Uh, I I mean today I feel like I'm a spiritual person. Um, m- m- Buddhism is probably as close as I can get, you know. And this is, you know, this is probably the reason why the our first two guests are Buddhist, you know, because I I'm I'm like hmm I could be I feel like Buddhism feels uh, the most comfortable out, out of all of them, why? Um, because it's because there is no god, they, yeah. they don't believe in a god. There's no you know, it's all about practice it and, and take what works for you, leave what doesn't. Um, even if we espouse all this karma stuff and everything, it's like you don't have to buy into it mm-hmm. for them. It's like it's just the system, it's the way of the world. Yeah. If you don't want to buy into it, you don't have to buy into it, you know, right? It's like it's like you can be a flat earther and still live on a round earth. You can believe it's a flat earth. You know, it's like whatever. Um, and I, I I appreciate that. But um, but yeah, I, I don't. I think I don't think I can. I, I don't know. I'm I'm ever changing, you know. Mm-hmm. And even even now that I'm finding a new appreciation for Christianity, you know, in and, um, and some of its practices, and there's still some some forms of the for some forms of it that i'm like yeah i mean i can i can get behind that i could probably go to the church service and find a way to translate it for me now um
1: ah. when and, do you think you started being able to do that
0: um in the last in the last few years yeah yeah
1: what do you think it was just time it's or, time it's time yeah.
0: and time and perspective and and um and also it's like i think It's, it's probably like, you know, after you go through a big breakup and you don't want to be in a relationship and it's like, I want to fuck around. I want to do all this stuff. Uh, Um, and then after a while you're like, well, I can be in a relationship again. Uh You know, I feel like that's, that's where I'm at. Like, yeah, I could be in a relationship again. I, I don't think, I mean, I really don't think I could be, uh, subscribed to one religion, but, um, I, I do have a lot of spiritual practices. I do a lot of meditation, um, you know i mean I, i've done like tarot cards and and shit like that but all that stuff i feel like i don't believe in like there's any magic behind tarot cards i think it's mm-hmm. just a reflection of your subconscious it's like a Jungian uh um rorschach test you know where you see a card and you you, you know you read the the book and like mm-hmm. what stirs in your gut like whatever stirring is the thing that you need to pay attention to you know right right um you know i've you know i've done mushroom ceremonies with shamans and ayahuasca ceremonies and find value in, in all that. But do I want to go off into the rainforest and be a shaman? No. Um, but I find value in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do some yoga. You yeah, know, whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm ever-evolving, and I'm just trying to... I mean, I think my, my current operating system is... I, I want to do everything I can to be present and mm-hmm. to not get stuck in those voices in my head that, that shame me for things I did in the past mm-hmm. or from worrying about the future or having FOMO about not being somewhere or doing something. Um, cause it's all, it's all just false. It's all false narratives. It's like the only thing we have is here and now this is, this is everything. The present now is everything uh-huh. and whatever you can do to be here, you know like that Ram Dass book like be here now uh-huh. it's hard it's a hard practice because you you either want to like remember how good it was in the past or beat yourself up for something you did in the past or dream of how good it's gonna be in the future or worry about how the future's gonna fuck you up, but instead like you're missing the present moment right and uh for me that's that's my only religion right now. And it's hard. It's a hard practice. And I, I I'm not I'm not there yet. But if I could just learn I wasn't like, I can't remember. There's some famous actor, it might have been Jeff Daniels or someone, I can't remember. He was talking about his his meditation in Buddhism and like you know, what's what's his goal mm-hmm. or something like that. And he's like he's like, I just wanna feel my ass in this chair. <laughs> If something like that. I can't remember. I'm but- butchering mm. the quote, but the idea of it was like, if I can just sit here mm. and be in this moment, then I've I've achieved everything.
1: Mm.
0: And that I think is is a very noble practice.
1: So your golden moment has moved to the present moment. Yeah. In a way.
0: Yeah. I yeah. mean. I, I mean. I still have like. You know, I still have those golden moment, Uh, you know, if we're talking about, like, biological urges, you know, the urge to, like, you know, spread your seed, the urge to eat, the urge to dominate, whatever it is. Really? uh, Hold on. I I still have the urge mm -hmm. to have a golden moment. Mm -hmm. Like, if I just meet this one person, if I just Mm -hmm. have enough sex, if I just direct that film if i just go if i just this those voices that's a voice that's a voice and i think um i mean i'm doing a lot of therapy work right now and doing like internal family systems and this hoffman process and all these different practices are about like acknowledging that you have different parts of yourself Mm -hmm. and you know we are not like you hear voices in your head we all have these voices that come up Mm -hmm. where are these voices coming from and and what are they saying to us? And, and are you your thoughts? Are mm-hmm. you your voices? Well, oftentimes those are just different parts of you. You know, like you know, wounded parts of you from your childhood, or um, biological parts of you. Different different parts of us that are like screaming for attention, that need something. And mm-hmm. and I, I believe that who you are is not those voices, but in how you react to those voices. Mm-hmm. So you sit and you observe those voices, and you acknowledge them. And you acknowledge the pain or the fear or whatever it is that they're trying to express. And and from there you can make a decision about what you what you want to do with, with your moment. Alright. And that is that is my current philosophy that I'm working on. It's a good
1: philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. Alright. And we're here now.
0: We're here now. Yeah. So um all right well that, i think that's good do you have any any, any wrap up or you
1: no i think uh we 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 did a pretty good uh history to bring us into you sitting on that chair today and yeah. hopefully you're feeling your ass
0: i'm feeling my ass yeah. yeah i got a massage earlier so i feel good yeah
1: yeah so well thank you for sharing with us your your journey
0: thank you Yeah,